let me just rifle off the few a few accolades that my guy here has. <clears throat> February 2021, CNBC's list of 23 black leaders who are shaping history today. Others on those list, Kamala Harris, Melody Hobson, and Nicholas Johnson, who I've actually had on the show. So shout out Nick. September 2021, Ebony Magazine's Power 100 list alongside Travis Scott, Jada Pinkett Smith, Anthony Mackie, Lewis Hamilton, and 95 other people. October 2022, Black Enterprises 40 Under 40 list alongside Ryan Coogler, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Taylor Rooks. So, my friend, I, w- I would say those are some, some real accomplishments. <laughs> I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. First episode in six months. So I'm going to get to my guests in a little bit. Right now, these first few minutes are going to be hey, on man, me. Take your time. Getting back to the show, <laughs> promoting the show, and just being excited about being back in the studio, being back recording. For those of you listening, my name is Falaron Okulaja, host, Go With The Flow. If, you know, you're probably wondering what the show is about, it's funny because I've done 45 of these episodes, and when people ask me what Go, Go With The Flow is about, I still don't even have my concise <laughs> elevator pitch. But the way that I like to describe it is, it is a long-form conversational show. So I don't interview people. I have conversations with them. Like I said, I've done 45 episodes of these. Guests have ranged from New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy to Sarah Fillier, Olympic gold medalist, to Quasia Dofomensa, general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, um, Mark Shapiro, CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays. So it really scans a bunch of different varieties of individuals to some of my best friends who don't really do shit, but they're just like cool ass like people. <laughs> like now, nah, oh no, oh wait till I give you a background in your bio. This guy's done some shit I didn't even know about. But but that's the point of go with the flow. It's cool people having good conversations, learning. Sometimes the conversations are serious, sometimes they're funny, and everything in between. But I love meeting new people. Love having conversations, and that's kind of why I started the show. Started at my soft, soft, no junior spring at Princeton. That's where I graduated from. Just moved to the city. Like I said, did 45 episodes. Wanted to settle into work a little bit before I got back on this little side hustle, this little grind. But now I'm back, back into it. I'm very excited to be here. So for everyone listening, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. I hope you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Matter of fact, just stop right now and send it to one person. <laughs> if you love me, send it to two people. If you really love me, send it to three people. If you are a repeat listener, thank you for coming back. I hope you keep listening. Do all the basic stuff everyone says. Like, subscribe, follow. There's a YouTube. As you can see, we're in this very professional studio. It's going to be full clips on YouTube. Full episodes on YouTube. Short clips on YouTube. Social media. So yeah, do all of that, like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And I think one of the last things I want to say is I'm still building this as much as I've, I'm proud of what I've done so far. I'm excited about what's coming up in the future. That's even, that even gets me more excited. I'm still trying to build out a team here in New York City. So if you're listening and you you have any interest in working on a podcast, whether it's producing, video editing, just anything that might come with this whole process, reach out to me. I'm very responsive. And yeah, I'm looking forward to to building something special because 
this is a little passion of mine. I never knew what a passion was till I recorded the first episode. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't even sleep last night. So I was like, oh shit, first episode in six months. I'm that excited. But with all that being said, I'll now bring it to my guest. So my guest here, Shaq, and it, one of my good friends. Funny enough, we met a year ago yesterday, I think. And we'll get to this. We'll get to the story of how we met real quick and that whole thing. But let me just gas him up real quick, okay? Because he was saying he was one of my friends, just one of those people who doesn't do anything. Let me just rifle off the few a few accolades that my guy here has. <clears throat> February 2021, CNBC's list of 23 black leaders who are shaping history today. Others on those lists, Kamala Harris, Melody Hobson, and Nicholas Johnson, who I've actually had on the show. So shout out Nick. September 2021, Ebony Magazine's Power 100 list alongside Travis Scott, Jada Pinkett Smith, Anthony Mackie, Lewis Hamilton, and 95 other people. October 2022, Black Enterprises 40 Under 40 list alongside Ryan Coogler, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Taylor Rooks. So, my friend, I, w- I would say those are some some real accomplishments. And also just randomly, not randomly, interviewed by Bloomberg December 14th. So with all that being said, welcome to the show, Shaq. Honestly, wow, thank you so much. Truly honored to to be here. When you reached out, it was like, hey, Shaq, like, want to wanna have you on the show? I was like, wow, like, I'm honored. <laughs> like, the people that you've had on this show, like, I'm a big fan of this show. Like, I love listening to these conversations, as you said. Um, a lot of other pa- podcasts make it feel like an interview where it's just one-sided, whereas conversations, you can really go deep. That's the point of this, and exactly. And so, yeah, very excited to just be on the show, and, and thank you again for having and me. And thank you for coming on. And so, all those accolades, and the reason that you got all that was because of um, Black Gen Capital, which we'll get into in a second, and you co-founded with... Aramis Tedesi. Exactly. Yeah. So shout out to him. This is a very much so a joint collaborative effort. So he also has all this accolades. But you're the one on the show today. So we're talking about you. <laughs> first things first, we met, what, a year ago yesterday. You want to tell the story of how we met? Yeah. So <laughs> we're at, um, we actually met at an airport, uh, JFK Airport. We were heading to Mexico, Mexico for the Black Ivy League vacation. Black Ivy vacation. Um, this was uh, an effort by Dominique. Uh, amazing uh, woman from, uh, uh, she went to UPenn and Addis Boyd who went to Columbia and they decided to get together a group of just 30 strangers, 30 black strangers from across the Ivy League and take us on a vacation together. And so it felt somewhat like a reality TV show. Yeah, I wish I wish there were cameras. That's I wish there were cameras filming us. If anyone's listening wants to like pay us to go back and film it, honestly, here yeah, you go. I <laughs> so we're both, um, you know, we were both invited to the trip, and um, we meet at the airport. And from the day I met Florian at the airport, we just like instantly hit it off. We were just like, you know, cracking jokes the whole time. Like I was crying of laughter just <laughs> the whole time and here we are today like it's in a year later and still pretty close friends funny enough a lady at the airport thought we were either brothers or cousins i don't remember <laughs> or, or you yeah, remember, i don't yeah. remember which but she yeah she was a lot in front of us she looked back she was like are you guys related or are you cousins i'm like and we we're like now nah, we met at the airport like, <laughs> like 10 seconds, like ago. 10 seconds <laughs> ago right right before all of this yeah <laughs> but yeah actually so dom is supposed to be the next guest so we'll get way more into black ivy vacay on the next episode but first it is january 7th 
um, so relatively new into the new year, are you the type of person to make New Year's resolutions? And if so, do you mind sharing some of them? Yeah, so I, I am the type to, you know, as corny as it sounds, to, like, sit down and reflect on the year. That's not corny at all. Um, I do the same thing. Every year I have, like, sort of like a five-hour process of just, like, breaking down my past year, all of the highlights that, that went on, as well as things that, you know, didn't go so well. And then I also look at the goals that I set for the year and see which ones I accomplished and which ones I failed at. And, you know, looking back at 2022, I failed a lot. <laughs> like people wouldn't, people wouldn't probably expect that, but I failed a lot. Um, I set a lot of ambitious goals. Um, and I, I think it's important to fail a lot yeah. because that means that your goals are ambitious enough and they're... Um, pushing you outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so for this year, I set some goals for the year. One of my goals was to um, to only take Ubers when I'm traveling with friends. Okay. I Never. Thought you, okay. I thought you were going to say only take Ubers, period. No, I was like, no, that's no. kind of a while, that's a, that's a while ago. Yeah. No, because one of my big goals is um, on the finance aspect. So personal finance, managing my money. Uh, when I look at all of the money that I made in 2022, a lot of it, <laughs> I'm like, where where did this go? <laughs> um, and so I set a lot of goals pertaining to personal finance and saving and cutting down Uber expenses was one. Um, I set goals relating to just like personal life, friendships, and, and building friends, building friendships in a way somewhat different than how I did in 2022. In 2022, it was mostly going out and hanging out with friends and uh, just partying. Yeah. But in 2023, I really want to um, figure out other ways to, to do that. So, for instance, doing activities like going skiing or trying... More wholesome trips. More wholesome Not like stuff. the trip we met on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although much more of that coming up. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like. I definitely I definitely feel the same way because I'm also the type to set New Year's resolutions. I've done it for the last two years. The first time I did it, um, one of the big ones for me was I wanted to read more because I hadn't read for pleasure probably since, like, middle school. Because high school, like, I'll just read books for classes. College would also read books for classes. But I do love reading. So I was like, oh, I think this was 2020. I was like, oh, I'm going to read five books. I read seven books that year. I was proud of myself. Nice. Next year, I was like, oh, I'm going to read 10 books. I read, like, four. I was like, oh. maybe not. I'm not. So I didn't put a number to it anymore. Now the goal is just, like, always be reading a book. I think that's more attainable. And then also, personal finances is also a big one. Because kind of like you said, I didn't think it was possible to spend so much money. But it's very possible to spend it so much money. When you look up, at man. these stories of NBA players, athletes, people blowing all this money, you're like, how is that possible? I'm like, I definitely see it's possible because <laughs> I have not been nearly as good about saving money as I should have been. So very similar to you, just budgeting more, investing better, actually just thinking in the long term and not just spending money. Every chance that I get, can't be going on all these hinge dates. <laughs> that drains my wallet way more than it should, but this you know, guy is a hinge, hinge, hinge king right here. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. We're not, we're not putting that out there. Nah, 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 nah. But no, so you said that you set a, a bunch of lofty goals last year, and you weren't able to reach one. What was the loftiest one you set that you weren't able to Oof. attain? 
See, usually I keep my goals private okay, so that fair, fair. when I fail, like people don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, what was one goal? Uh, I, one of my goals was to make like a million dollars trading in the markets. Okay. And as you know, 2021 was just a bad year for, um, you know, I guess, yeah. pu public investing. Yeah. Um, they said over $18 trillion was wiped from the global markets in 2022. So, um, yeah, that was one of my goals. Fell short. I didn't reach that um, or anything close to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, but that's one, like, okay, that's an one goal that yeah. I, I wouldn't tell my friends, like, hey, I, I'm trying to, like, one of my goals. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make a, make a million dollars right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And another one for me is golfing. I want to get into golf. Okay. Have, have you ever been? I've golfed twice. I'm not good. I'm doing it because corporate America is important. Uh, All everyone does is golf. Yeah. With each other, with clients, with everything. We both work in finance, by the way. So I need to... It'll just help you, give you that leg up, help you fit in a little bit more. So that's one thing yeah. I want to take It's lessons. also just a leisure activity. That uh, too. It's another thing that you can do to... Have fun. That's Luckily, so at Cornell, you can take, um, we have a gym, gym requirement. Um, and so you have to do two semesters of any like gym class. Don't they make you have to swim also? Yeah, you have to take a swim test. <laughs> I remember when I got in, I did my tour. They said that. I was like, mom, dad, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, so one of the classes offered was golf. And I figured, you know, why not take it? That's smart. So I took golf in, at Cornell. And honestly, one of the best classes that I've taken. That's Cornell. smart. That's smart. Because some people have been golfing all their lives. So at this point, it's easier for them. Mm -hmm. Others of us who have never golfed before, now you're trying to pick it up, you get a lot further behind. And even like what you mentioned, I didn't realize how many of my friends actually golfed. And so it's something that they do by themselves leisurely. So like outside the corporate world, it is something people yeah. do pretty leisurely also. But okay, um, Black Gen, the reason that you have all those wonderful accolades, could you start by telling the people what exactly that is and why that was a club that you even wanted to start? Yeah, so Black Gen Capital um, is student-run investment fund. Um, and essentially sophomore year at Cornell, which is where I went to school, um, that was about the time that I was get really getting into finance and wanted to learn a lot about the industry and careers on Wall Street. And so the first thing, thing that I did was try to join um, a lot of the finance clubs at Cornell. And before Blackshine existed, there were all these finance clubs. But when you looked inside, there were no Black, Latinx, um, you know, underrepresented minorities in these organizations. Um, luckily, I'd gotten into one of them, and so I was the only black person in this organization of like 50 students. And I just found it kind of strange um, because, you know, it it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the fact that our people were less interested in finance. In fact, we were probably even more interested in learning about these things and and breaking into these careers. Um, it's just the way that these organizations were set up. It was a lot of nepotism and saving seats for like fraternity and sorority um, sisters, uh, saving seats for friends or brothers. And if there are only eight seats to get into these organizations and seven of them are already reserved, 
then that leaves no room for any mer meritocracy. Um, and so my co-founder, Ermis Tedesi, very similar experience in another finance org. He was the only black person in a 60 or 60 person org. And this was the pre like the premier finance club on mm -hmm. campus that had been around for decades. Yeah, I'm thinking of the equivalents we have at Princeton also. <clears throat> and it was just strange. So we sat down one day at breakfast, um, you know, and, and we just talked about it. And, and we were like, yo, like, what if we created a finance club that was inclusive and that was open that empowered underrepresented minorities to get into finance, to break down these generational curses. And so we came up with Black Gen Capital, like Ernest Tedeschi, very, very creative mind. He literally pulled out a napkin and drew our logo. <laughs> he came up with the logo on the spot. He was like, this is it. Um, and since then, we launched our first semester at Cornell. Had about 35 members. Um, then the following semester, we started to get corporate sponsorships and funding from large institutions like Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, um, et cetera. And then eventually the word got out beyond Cornell's campus and students at other universities started to figure out like, hey, started to really resonate with our mission and see the same issues that they had on their campuses. And so we had students from Georgetown reach out to us and say, hey, like we want to, is there any way we can join Black Chain Capital or set up our own, own um, sort of organization? And then we had the idea to go national. And so that was a really big step in, in that this was an unprecedented move for us. We were just college students at the time. We didn't really know how to maneuver with like all the legal stuff and organizational stuff we had to set up. Um, and now here we are today, we're at about nine chapters across, um, you know, Ivy League institutions, other top universities, and hoping to set up um, chapters at HBCUs as well. So um, we have about like 400, like close to 400 members, um, sponsorships across investment banks, hedge funds, asset managers. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been like, honestly, a very incredible and fulfilling journey just to see members come into the org, not knowing anything about finance. And then a year later, secure an investment banking job at Morgan Stanley or, um, you know, these very, like very selective internships and opportunities that they otherwise like wouldn't have access to. And that's the first time I've heard you describe the actual journey of starting it. And it's cool to hear from your own perspective <laughs> and all the more interesting for me, because, again, when I first met you, I knew none of this about you. <laughs> I met you at an airport to Mexico. We saw each other in Mexico. It, it was Mexico. Yeah. So we were all doing it. We were all doing our thing. <laughs> and then come back. And like I said, I was looking. I was like, I was because I do my research for these episodes. I was like doing my Googles, like looking you up. Then I saw all the different accolades, all the different stuff you had accomplished, the growth. And I was like, this is the same check that I saw doing X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And it's just, it's just really cool because, again, it's like the duality of man. It's like it's possible to build something that's special, have this vision, execute it, see it all the way through, and you're still growing, but you've already accomplished a lot. And then also be the person who can like go out, have their fun, and that type of thing. But one of the things that I'm more curious about is <clears throat> the journey from idea to actual inception because mm. i think that's probably one thing that can 
will be can resonate with anyone who you talk to because whether it's something like me who in starting this podcast because I had the idea, but then there's a whole process where I'm like, oh, I want to start a podcast to doing all the different steps to actually releasing your first episode, putting it out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that could probably apply to many different people, whether it's in a creative space, in a financial space, just we all have ideas. We have them a million miles a minute. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things people are thinking of every second, but then the journey to actually launching something, there's a lot that has to happen in that in between. And I don't think that's something people really focus on or spend any time thinking about. So could you just speak a little bit to what the journey was like from that first or breakfast you two had where you wrote the idea, he came up with the design, to I guess we're, we're a club now. We're launching. We have members. Just speak mm -hmm. on that a little bit. Yeah, no. So before even that lunch, I had thought about this idea. Um, and no, you bring up a great point, right? Ideas are great, but if the execution is not there, you have nothing. What's right? the saying? It's like faith without work is like there's there's some saying about it. it's like faith without work is like impossible or something like you need to put steps uh, uh, in action yeah. behind your faith yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um you know it's great to have ideas um i think the best way to take an idea and take it from just that to execution is to one try to get inspiration try to get inspiration of people that are doing things that are similar and so for us, we looked at like some of the finance clubs on our campus, like what are they doing correctly? What are they doing right? And what are things that they're not doing so right? Um, take those ideas, kind of like bundle them up together and then discuss it. A lot of people, when they get these great ideas, they're, they try to hold them very tight because they think other people are going to steal their ideas. In fact, nobody's going to steal your idea because an idea is just the initial stage. The execution transforms that idea into, can transform it into something else, right? And so in theory, nobody's actually going to steal your idea, right? They're going to steal some sort of version of it and create their own, create their own version of it. Um, and so for us, we had to get look to see if there's any inspiration we could draw upon. And then um, we had to talk about it. We didn't hold, like, try to keep it secretive or anything. Like, we talked about it to peers. Like, you know, like what if we started a black, black, what if we started Black Chen Capital on campus? Like, is this something you would be interested in or anything like that? And they, it was overwhelming. We sent out a survey initially to Cornell's campus and said that had all these questions like about like, are you interested in finance? Are you looking to for a space to learn about finance and break into this industry? We got over 90, like 95 responses. Which is a lot for a, for a college <clears throat> club. That's a lot. Yeah. 95 responses. And that's when we knew like, okay, there's some validation behind this idea. Mm -hmm. So once you have that idea, get the validation you need for it, prove that it's actually um, a, a good idea. <laughs> and then you work towards building a team. With Blackchain Capital, that was one of the main things that we focused on. So our founding team, we... Like when, when you're building a team, when you're a founder... It's easy to say, I know everything yep. and I have, I know exactly how this should look and that this should, everything should go my way. 
But with Hermes and I, we were humble enough to know that we were just sophomores at the time. We didn't know everything. We um, we knew we were going to make a lot of mistakes. And so when building our team, we had to find everybody. We had to find people that were smarter than us, that knew more about us, more knew more about finance than us. We reached out to upperclassmen. Um, and somehow we, as sophomores, we had to convince juniors and seniors to like follow our direction. <laughs> so <clears throat> you have to be humble enough to know that you don't know anything. Yeah. And find building the pieces around you um, that all complement each other, that all um, you know can work towards the same mission as you. That's really critical in like the execution part. And then after that, it's really communication. Um, read a book by Ray Dalio. He's like uh, he manages one of the largest investment like hedge funds in the world. Bridgewater. Bridgewater, yeah. And so, in his book Principles, I actually read that like like right before founding Black Gen, and he talks about radical transparency, radical truth. Oh, uh, yep, yep, yep. Right, and so the transparency part is about being overly communicative about ways that you can improve ways that you can iterate to then execute and build an organization that that works and so for black gen we were always like hey what are we doing right let's keep doing that what are we not doing right what can we improve on and how do we improve on that yeah and it's just this iterative process of just getting better and better and it's so funny because when I hear you describe that process, it was so similar. This is, what, again, why I asked the question is because it doesn't matter what you're trying to build. That is a, those steps in the process is going to, what's going to help you build. Mm -hmm. When I was starting this podcast, I remember I had the idea. I remember sitting, I remember like it was yesterday. It was a group of like, this was like the COVID semester when I started it. It was me and like five guys who were sitting like in just one of the courtyards on campus. And I brought it up, I was like, oh. If I start a podcast, would you guys listen? And they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, And I was like, okay, well, you're probably just saying that because you're friends, <laughs> whatever. And then I went, I put an Instagram poll out. <clears throat> I was like, if I start a podcast, would you listen? Yes or no? The majority said yes. They were probably just being nice. But then some people like comments, they're like, oh, for sure. Like, definitely do it, blah, blah, blah. So that was my first okay. feel like, nice. there's some sort of demand out there. Let me see what I Exactly. And then that was my first validation. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Started it when I first started the podcast. I did every aspect by myself. Producing, recording, editing, did it all by myself. Social media. Again, because again, I was like, oh, this is my baby. This is my thing. I don't <laughs> want to let anybody else in. I could do it all by myself. But then very quickly realized that one, it's a lot of work to do by yourself. Yeah. You need a team. And exactly what you mentioned. There's people who do so many things better than me. And if people are a master of their craft let them do their thing exactly so then i built a team well when i joined the school paper my senior fall there was a t i sent out an email to like basically the entire student body i was like oh podcast who wants to help three students reached out which actually more there was like six that reached out and i was very shocked i was like well people actually want to <laughs> work on this podcast i actually had to turn people away but i had a team of three people where someone was doing shout out to daniel the one of the most talented um oh david my bad he was doing he did my he made the intro was doing all my video editing to the like one of the most talented people ever he was helping with stuff i had theo who was helping with stuff i had a little team on campus who one was doing social media one was doing video editing and again 
I wasn't ashamed to be like, oh, I don't know a lot about this. Mm-hmm. I want your input. Yeah. Tell me what to do. How do we make this product better? And again, with the, what was it, radical transparency, something that I very much so believe in. I love feedback. Mm-hmm. Feedback culture. Shout out to, you know, my place of work. Feedback, <laughs> feedback culture. I love feedback. Tell me what I need to work on. Give me tangible stuff. Good, bad, positive. I could go work on that. Mm-hmm. And so even with this podcast, I'm very much like, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, you could do this better, tell me. You're like, oh, say this there, do that there. Like, have this segment, have this guest on, do that. I'm so open to feedback. Because again, I just want to make the best product possible. Mm-hmm. And there, I am under no illusion that me by myself and all my ideas are the best by themselves. And it's just going to, you know, change the world. I'm trying to build something special with a team with mm-hmm. more input and then just make things make things go from there. Um, so back to Black Gen, though. What was that initial... So when you actually you got off the ground and you got running, when was that point when you were able to get your first like corporate sponsorship and what was the feelings that were associated with that? Because it is a, that's a pretty high level of validation. Mm-hmm. It's like these companies are like going to put real... I assume corporate sponsorship means money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to put some real money into your club. What was that... How did that validation feel when you got that? And who was the first company to, I guess, take the chance? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I can't say the the first one. Okay. You know, but the validation that we got from that was like, okay, we're solving a real issue now, not only just for students, but for corporations as well. So this can actually make a na- have a national impact and actually you know, be a mutually beneficial relationship mm-hmm. between our members and corporations. Um, you know, they'll be willing to pay for to get access to talent. Um, and so that felt like we, me and Ermis, we were literally sitting down. We were like, did we just do that? <laughs> <laughs> did we... <laughs> You know, did we just like secure a corporate sponsorship? Like firms willing to pay thousands of dollars, you know? Um, it was an, an incredible feeling. And this wasn't until a, like a year after we had f- came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you just got to be patient. Patience, and, man. Things take time. Yeah. Things you just have time. to build, build, feed into something, pour into it, and then eventually things will pay out. Um, and then since then, usually the first corporate sponsor is the hardest mm-hmm. because that we, you have to convince that sponsor to take a leap of faith. And then you can then take that to everyone else and see this company's done it. <laughs> like, what are y'all waiting exactly. on? Exactly. Like, and then yeah, that's, yeah. when we, yeah, when we approach other corporate sponsors, we say, hey, like, you know, so-and-so is uh, signing up. We're going to lose out on, you're going to lose out on this feature. Um you know, it's a very popular feature. You might want to sign up. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, there's more. Honestly, there's more followers and leaders out there. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, yeah, exactly. It takes yeah. the one because similar, similar. Again, I keep bringing it back to the podcast because that's my kind of experience and kind of also trying to build something. My first big guest was I had the Princeton president on, President uh, Eisgruber. And I remember also like when it was the funniest story. It was, <laughs> I hope he I hope he hears this. It was the funniest thing. So it was one of the first days that it was warm out on it was like in the spring or something. And so a bunch of us were playing like beer pong, watching drinking games. We were out and we come back to our campus and we're like throwing a football around. And someone points is like they were like, Oh, is that President Eisgruber? 
And I'm like a few white claws in. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna say what's up. <laughs> I literally, I run up to him. I'm like, yo, I give my quick intro. I'm like, I'm Falaran. I have a podcast. Like, would you want to come on? He was like, oh, for sure. Like, wow. Shoot me an email. I thought he was just saying that's like shoot yeah, me away, but I was like, all right, I'm gonna email you, and I'm gonna keep following up until you do. But after one email, within like ten minutes, he was like, oh, here's my assistant. Find a time. And I was like, wow. Word. Incredible. So after I got him on, that was the one where I was like, any like the other big guest that I had on, he was like the first name that I was like, oh, President mm -hmm. Eyes Group has come on. That must be some sort of stand Credibility. Approval. Credibility. Exactly. And then any other big guest that I come on, like even now when I'm doing my outreach, I have the list Boom. of like seven, eight like prominent names where I'm like, they've come on. There must be something here. Exactly. Can you guys also like, come on, pile in. Come on, go with the flow. So <laughs> exactly what you're saying where you just need the one to take the chance on you and then you use that to just go build something even bigger. Yeah, exactly. We even had... Some corporations, like one corporation, very prominent name, tell us we're usually not the first mover. Wow. They after this, you're going to tell me who that is. We, we're not going <laughs> to say it on here, but you'll tell me after. <laughs> yeah, they told us we're, we're usually not the first mover. We like to see what our peers are doing and stuff like that. And so... We got their peers, and then they, <laughs> and then they, and then they hopped in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 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 funny. Yeah. And so, where do you see this growing? Again, you just said you have big ambitions, lofty ambitions. What, do, in your mind, how big do you see this being able to become? Yeah, I mean, from day one, I said, I, I remember at one of our general body meetings where we got together, all of our members. Um, it's about just thirty-five members from Cornell. <clears throat> And I said, I envision Black Gen Capital to transcend my time here at Cornell. I want to see this existing and, and breaking down barriers for the next 100 years. You know, I said that <laughs> week two. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about ambitions and goals. <laughs> but um, yeah, I th my mission is really to, because every single semester, we get a new cohort of students. Mm -hmm. Those are more lives that we can impact, more lives that we can help for the better. And so in a hundred years, that's a lot. That's two hundred semesters. That's every like that's a lot of students that we can ultimately impact on a national level, potentially even a global level at one point. We've gotten inbounds from students in the University of Toronto. Well. You know. Students in, in Lagos um, saying, hey, we want to start a chapter. Right now, we just don't have the infrastructure and I guess the support mm -hmm. to, to expand globally. But one day, that one day you put it out there. I'm a big, big fan <laughs> of big believer in manifesting. And again, ambitious goals. Literally after I recorded the first three episodes I recorded, it was sitting on a couch like this. No studio and my friends. Well, first one was in my dorm. Recording on my phone, just like this. Wow. Second, second and third episode, very similar. Sitting on a couch, phone in between. Please go back and listen to that audio. It's so shit. It's <laughs> audio is bad, but as far as like quality of conversation, product, I was like, I feel like I'm somewhat good there, at this. Yeah. Literally after three episodes, somewhere. you got to start somewhere. I'm like, bro, one day, Spotify exclusive. Joe Rogan's the biggest podcast in the world. I'm like, I'm coming for that guy. You have to put it out there, manifest. And no one can tell me yeah, that one day this podcast short, isn't going to be. Yeah, 100%. And I love setting ambitious goals and goals that people are like, Shaq, you're crazy. Yeah. But like when you set those goals, even if you fall short, You've you're going to come. You've still done something great. You're yeah. going to come close. You're yeah. going to. 
do something great. Um, why set a limit on that? Why not just shoot? Like, there's nothing wrong with shooting beyond that. But it, it's good to set these ambitious goals, but then set milestones, mm -hmm. right? Like, set more realistic milestones. So yeah. you have your big, crazy goal, but then you set more realistic milestones to, like, work and get there. Exactly. Because, again... When I when I <laughs> when I first started this, as as much as I'm like, yes, biggest podcast in the world. Even when the president of Prince came on, I was like, oh shit, no way. <laughs> and then I remember when I got um um which one was it? Who was I don't remember who if I got if Phil the Murphy came on first, yeah, if he came on first, or if it was the GM and the owner of the Vikings. They came on in like two to three weeks. The owner came on after. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah. so I think Phil Murphy was first. <clears throat> yeah, one yeah. because well, I'm friends with the son. Shout out Charlie. <laughs> Funny guy, I love Charlie. Shout out Emma, friends with like she she also co-worker with um Charlie's sister. Wow. Whatever. So when he came on, I was literally like after I did like 30 minutes with the governor of New Jersey, after I was like, I sat there and I thought to myself, I was like, this is again who he is. I just had a one-on-one 30 minute zoom with him for my podcast that I started less than a year ago. If I could get him on. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. I could get anybody yeah, on. Anybody. And then I got GM of the Vikings, owner of the Vikings, all these different people. And I was like, literally, you. there's no one you could tell me that I can't get on this podcast. Is it going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month? No. Is it going to be maybe two, three years down the line? Sure. But there's no one that you're going to tell me I can't get on this podcast. Exactly. And because of the po I started very Princeton-focused, all of every guest... You're the first non-Princeton guest. Wow. Actually, after Governor Murphy. Okay. <laughs> a second. But because it was very Princeton-focused to start, the two, like, whales, like, everyone has, like, the, what's this, like, the blue whales or something? Like, like the big get that you want to have. Mm -hmm. For me, that's Jeff Bezos, Michelle Obama, because those are, like, Princeton alum. Those are, like, the goals, the targets. So, again, putting stuff out in the world, if either Jeff or Michelle happen to be listening, <laughs> come on, by go with the means, flow. Exactly. You know, exactly. By all means, reach out to me. I'll get my people to get in touch with your people. But yeah, setting goals is important. I, You have to dream big. There's so much that's possible in the world. And it's so funny how, even as like a confident person, I thought my goals before were like high. And then with each step of the way you realize like, oh, your bars actually got kind of low. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, oh, like, we're coming for it all. Yeah. Um, but Lastly, on Black Gen Cap, so you've, again, you've graduated. We're living in New York City now. What does your involvement still look like with the club? Is it like a day-to-day -day thing, month-to-month? -month? Like, what are you still involved with, if at all? Yeah, so definitely not a day-to-day -day thing. More so board of advisors. So um, just there, there's a new transition of leadership. Mm -hmm. We have incredible leaders, you know, who have done great things in the past six months that we stepped down. Um, and so just on the board of advisors, helping out with questions that they have, um, you know, providing advice on just like how to grow and, and get more members and I get more chapters. Um, also being sort of a, a resource when they need contacts or connects here and there when they need to tap into my network. Um, so that's kind of my involvement right now. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah, And that's the perfect transition to the next thing that I want to get into is just this post-college life, this transition to a different phase in our lives. Because again, like I said, we both just graduated, um, me Princeton, you Cornell last year, and now we're in New York City. 
the big <laughs> apple you know the city that never sleeps um how would you generally describe what the transition well let's not get to work yet because I'll, I'll get to work specifically mm-hmm. not like like specific like where we work and what we do just like more generally like not working first how would you describe just the transition from college student to not college student how's that gone for you yeah, it's interesting because I, I didn't really expect this. What um, you mean? You didn't expect like, this? There were a lot of things that just caught me blindsided. For example? Um, I'm, for, so, I'm so good. Yeah. <laughs> for, for example. example <laughs> the process of moving in and finding an apartment ah, and true. also furnishing an apartment. Furnishing an apartment. <laughs> which <laughs> Facebook Marketplace <laughs> is your best friend. Use it. It's cheap. You'll furnish Facebook Marketplace. Wow. I need to, yeah, I need to tap into that. But essentially there were all these small things that i'd never really processed and and thought about uh that that we needed when furnishing an apartment like it's all these small things that you take for granted in your own home but like these are expenses that add up (laughs) bro 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 bro. when i tell you i spent so much on a mattress i thought mattresses were like if fifty dollars, a hundred tops, <laughs> All right, $50, bro. My, bro. After I got my credit card, that was one of my first purchases. I was like, "This is look up mattresses. Mattresses are expensive." But again, $100. we've had yeah. mattresses our whole lives because your parents get it for you. You're like, "Ah, oh, that's this. I guess sleep on it every night. Mm-hmm. It can't be that expensive." When you buy your first mattress, that's like the first sign of adulthood, right there. Exactly. <laughs> and then also when we go to college, everything is furnished for us. Yeah, right. We have our beds, we have our kitchen stuff, we have couches. So this is the first time in our lives where we're on our own in this big city. You just got to figure it out. Figure it out. Um, So it was very difficult, just a lot of research and, you know, talking to friends, getting tips and tricks from them. I did, um, I was really big on reaching out to people like one to two years out of college Mm -hmm. because they had gone through the same things. They could provide better advice. Um, Another thing that, was just shocking was just transitioning to work for all of our lives from age of two to you know 22 we were students our life we knew it as like student our student life right like you go to school come home do your homework and maybe do sports or an activity but now it's completely different. Like you just wake up, go to work, do your work, come home, maybe sleep, wake up, do it again. Mate, that that right there for me was the single hardest thing. Because again, like we just mentioned, everything we've done in our lives until now has had an end date and an end point. A so, deadline or exactly yeah. a deadline. It's like middle school or elementary school, you do it in fifth grade, you graduate, summers. Middle school, fifth to eighth grade. I, I'm going to mess that up. Whatever. You'd get a point. <laughs> High school, end point. College, end point. Internship, nine weeks. You know you're going back. We started work. What's the end point? What's the, like, this is my life forever <laughs> until hopefully I can retire somewhat early. But this is it forever. When I tell you, because since we're just jumping right into work, my first week of work, so not training. So we started training. I trained for like however many weeks, had um exams past all those so like first week on the desk that week was probably the hardest mentally of my life like no joke because i was because it also coincided with the start of the spring or the fall semester at princeton mm. and so it was me like up because i'm up really early for work too fucking early but i'm up so early and then I, I look on my story and everyone's like it's college it's like the first week back on campus and so that week mentally was just like a 
is this my life now? And just like trying to come to terms with that. And honestly, to be honest, I'm still coming to terms with the fact like this is just life from now on. There is no end date on this part of your journey, which is it's it's hard to think about and it's hard to process. And no one really warns you or tells you about how hard that transition is exactly. from college student to working full time. Even if it's a nine to five or our finance hours, regardless of what your hours are, that is a hard transition. Yeah. And as much as people were like, oh, like New York is expensive, like the job might be X, Y, and Z, no one was like, you're not a student anymore. You are, you have to show up every day. Like there's real consequences to your actions. <laughs> I went from my schedule being senior spring, especially outside of my thesis, which again, it got done. I would have maybe two classes a day from Monday through Thursday. I would go to them if I felt like it. <laughs> Every day. Maybe take a nap. Maybe take a nap. Wake up at 10 o'clock. Go to the gym. Go to one class. I'm like, oh, I'll go, go hang out at my eating club the rest of the day. Out. Basketball. You could go drink with your friends every night. To now it's like, for me, Monday through Friday, you're not going to see me. Because all mm -hmm. I do is work. Exactly. And then the weekends are when I'm out. And then I do it all again. So, <laughs> no, it's a lot. Yeah, no. You said a lot of great things there. One, so one thing I found interesting is. I saw a chart that showed the proportion of time over the course of your life that you spend with different groups of people. Mm -hmm. And so one group is like family. Another group is, you know, like your friend, your classmates. Another group is friends. Another group is work, your work friends. Mm -hmm. And on this graph, you see, so work friends, the proportion of time you spend with them initially is like minimal, mm -hmm. right? Maybe internships and stuff. But then as you get older and older, it's just it increases. Not even just work friends, colleagues in general. Colleagues. Yeah. 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 It just increases and increases. Your friends, it goes down. Your family, it goes down. It's low-key a depressing chart. When I I don't, don't send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see the chart. Friends goes down. <laughs> family, it's like it, it's high at first and then goes down slowly over time. It's, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I just got but, depressed again thinking about it. <laughs> but like there are there are a lot of benefits. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So the work life versus the school life? Yes. One benefit is you do ha now have a consistent stream of income. That's the best part. Making real money is great. Yeah. You just got to learn to not spend it all. Exactly. <laughs> you just have to learn how to manage it. You have yeah. a consistent stream of income. You know, you don't have somebody like overlooking you and managing you the whole time, which is double-edged sword, right? Mm -hmm. um, you also just have the opportunity to learn and get very specialized in a, in a certain industry. Like you're in sales and trading. I'm in investment banking. Like that's all I do every, every single day for work. So I'm just becoming more technical, just learning more about the industry. Uh, whereas in school, you're somewhat forced to dabble into different subjects and things that you're not fully interested in. Um, so there, there are like many benefits will work. No, I agree. And the, one of the another one that I realized very quickly off the bat, especially with what we do, is the level of accountability is sky high. I've never been so accountable in my life. Mm -hmm. People will give you, they'll send you like one short email, like do this, like casually on like a monday morning you'll be like oh they forgot about it like three and a half weeks later oh like where is that i'm like i thought thankful like i'm so i'm on my stuff so like i'll do it but when they ask i'm like oh i thought you forgot about that and then even you send something and not again 
you got to be one the level of excellence and just like the level perfection. of like striving for perfection i love it but it's like oh you'll send this like three four page thing and people are like oh that thing on page three like what do you mean by that like what is that and it's like i didn't even think we we're gonna take a look at that whereas on the flip side i think college teaches you how to bs I don't know how many classes or precepts I would sit in and speak on a reading that I never did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, following up on what he said. Yeah, yeah blah, 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 blah. And just being able to just like, you know, that level of BS. Like finesse it. Exactly. You learn how to fin finesse is a much better way of putting it. Whereas now it's like there's no type of finesse or no type of BS, in, which I love. It's like a level, level of accountability that I've never had. Sure. Keeps you honest, keeps you on your toes, makes sure you're always on, on point, always on game. So that's another very minor thing where it's just like that day-to-day -day of like, I could, in college, I could scroll and stroll into any class and know that like, I'm going to say my points and get my A and like mm -hmm. get out without doing the work. Now it's like, oh, you got to do the work. Yeah. And I think in college, it's more like check the box. That yeah. That's your sort of level of, I guess, um, to the degree at which you're evaluated mm -hmm. is checking boxes. Whereas in work, it's like you have to go above and beyond mm -hmm. because now you're in, um, like in banking, our bonus, our compensation is directly tied to our performance. Mm -hmm. So and you want to get paid? Yeah. If you want to be top, <laughs> like the top bucket analyst then you have to go above and beyond you can't just check the box you have to you know exceed like excel Sorry. excel yeah. <laughs> what what is the hardest thing about corporate america for you oof um so one thing that's difficult is for me there's no i have no family in corporate america mm. right both of my parents immigrated from mali 80s 50 dollars in their pockets Right, came, started in America, had no friends, didn't know anybody at the time from Mali that was immigrating. Um, and so for them, their life, blue collar, you know, just work, work, work. Um, and my my mom doesn't even, still doesn't know like what I do. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks you're like a bank teller. That's uh, yeah, like, that's like, yeah, that's like yeah. any African parent is like, oh yeah, he's in a bank. Like people come, you like sign their check or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, she thinks I deposit people's checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't do that. <laughs> uh, so the hardest thing is like when I'm going through something, they just don't understand. They don't really relate to it. Um they, it's just a different level of struggle that they had to deal with mm -hmm. and that I had to deal with. Um, <clears throat> I would say another tricky thing is um, being in an environment where, so kind of going off of that, mm -hmm. right? my parents don't even know what I do for a living, but then all of my coworkers come from families who have had generations go through finance mm -hmm. and investment banking. Right, like some of my coworkers, their dads are literally like CEOs of other investment banks, you know, co-founders of large private equity firms. And so they already have that sort of leg up. And for me, it sometimes feels like I have to go above and beyond to sort of catch up. It, like my whole life, it felt like I was playing catch up and mm -hmm. I was just running a race where a lot of my peers had an advantage. And you know, for better or worse, that's made me, I guess, the hard worker that I am, the, I guess, optimistic and hopeful person that I am as well. Um, 
I, yeah, I don't know. What, what would you no, those. Well, yeah. First, I'll touch on your answers because those I relate to, especially what you said about your. Well, my so my we all moved. I was also born in Nigeria, moved here when I was nine. So like, I'm first generation, and so as a result, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer because yeah. that's what they understood. <laughs> that's what they could Same. tell their friends. Honestly, I don't care what they say. The reason they want you to do that is so they could tell their friends. It's just a brag. It's a brag. <laughs> it's a flex. Oh, my oh. son, Doctor Cool. Oh no, it's my it's a it's Lord a flex. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I started on the pre-med path, neuroscience. Damn. I'm like, I'm gonna make them happy. At a certain point, I was like, I'm not doing that. Whatever. So now I'm also in finance. So they don't really understand what I do. To the point where it's like, I mean, there is some credibility or valid, valid validity to what I'm about to say, but they're like, that's not a stable job. Which I'm like, it is, but like, right now it really isn't. <laughs> so like, I see what they're saying, but they also don't understand what I do. So it's like, there's that whole disconnect. Um, and so again, I can't talk to them about like the struggles of like, this is what's going on, blah, blah, the blah. Politics Honestly, and the and- that's why it's good having peers. Like that is where, again, you can have these conversations yeah. that make sense, voice your frustrations <clears throat> um, and that sort of thing. But I would say for me, one of the hardest parts has been going from being, because senior in college, you're basically like top of the food chain for a lack of a better term. It's like, yeah. you've done your time, you're senior, you know everyone. It's like, You'd go through that whole exercise of every, even taking it all the way back. It's like you go to elementary school and you want like all the cool kids are at the back of the bus. That's where like mm. senior, not seniors, <laughs> like fourth, fifth graders are. And you get there and then you go to middle school, you got to do it all again. Mm-hmm. Like start at the bottom, work your way to the top. Going from senior in college, like again, things were good. Good socially. It's like you've laid the groundwork. Things are good. To then going to be first year analyst. The bottom. The bottom of the food chain. <laughs> the bottom of the, the food trenches. chain. The, you, oh, yeah, you are in the trenches. So that part is hard. And I think that's just will be a hard transition for, for anyone going from senior in college to first-year analyst. Because I think that happens in any role unless you're like the first-round pick in the draft mm-hmm. or something where it's like, oh, you go from being the guy to you're still the guy. So I think yeah. that's like a transition from top to bottom that happens for anyone. But just the way that I am, I'm looking forward to the challenge of, oh, bottom of the totem pole right now. Give me a few years. Try to make my way to the top. Yeah. I think a couple of points. It's tough because, you know, in our entire life, right, this process of elevating to the top of the food chain, you know, in school is like, okay, middle school, three years, right? You know, sixth, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Then you're at the top. Then you go to high school, you're at the bottom, ninth grade, four years. Mm-hmm. Then college, like exactly. four years. Yeah. But now it's our career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, you know, 30 years yeah. to get to the top. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Some faster, some shorter. Um, but I think that's one that one thing that's mentally tough to, I guess, cope with. And wrap your mind around, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also just waking up early is hard. That's like, <laughs> that's like the short, simple answer. Waking up and having to be there five days a week is like, whew, what do you mean I got to be here five days a week? Yeah. And then even another one that's like even another like thing you wouldn't think about like being an issue or like hard to like navigate, vacation days. <laughs> you have a finite amount. 
Yeah. I can't just up and leave <laughs> anytime no. that I want. Unless you were and you attack, like, one of my attack friends has been in Ghana for the past month. <laughs> they don't live. Are you sure they do they still have their job? You know, all them layoffs <laughs> that are happening. Do they still have? Think, are are they still employed? So. Yeah. Yeah. So. In Ghana Damn. for the past month. Yeah, no, because even, like, you have X amount and then just trying to, like, ration them out for the whole year. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to use them all too soon, but then I don't want to save them all up too. Your days like roll over from- They don't anymore, Uh, which is why it's tough. So for me, it's like five days rolls over. It used to be that way. They just changed our vacation policy, so they don't roll over anymore. So I was literally sitting there like, because again, you know how now that we're all like making money, everyone's like, oh, let's do this trip, that trip, that trip. I'm like- I got I got X amount of days. I got to see if I can make it. Yeah. We have like a family trip coming up. I was initially going to take one day, but then I realized I have more vacation days than I did. So I'm like, okay, I'll take two days. Mm-hmm. And there's like a wedding in February where it's like, it's in Montreal. Ideally, I would want to go from like Thursday to Sunday, but I'm probably going to fly out. I'm probably not going to take any days off and just go Saturday and come on Sunday. Because <laughs> like, I, again, you got to ration out the yeah. vacation day. So that's another minor one that no one like warns you about. There's all these little minutia of... Like being an adult that no one tells you about. Nobody tells you about unless you have pe- like family true, or true, people true, true, true. in your close, close circle true, who true. have that. Well, I guess that's why I'm here for you all now. Now you guys get to hear all these different, the the little minutia of the work life that exactly. you wouldn't know about otherwise if you're not asking. Yeah. You know, paying your Con Edison bill. <laughs> Another thing where it's like, thankfully, it's a lot cheaper now. Over the summer when the ACs were running all day, Oof. our bill is like a fourth of what it was. Wow. Because I, I just got the alert yesterday. It's like yeah. it's literally a fourth of what it was during the um, summer, which is good. That surcharge is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. And then so I guess that was kind of more work related outside of work. The more social aspect of New York. What would you say has been either the biggest surprise or like your favorite part about it? Yeah. Biggest surprise is just. I, I know what our real answer is. I don't know if you're going to uh, say it, but because <laughs> we've talked about it before. <laughs> uh, but, you know, biggest surprise is just, I guess, the type of socialization that happens. What do you um, mean by that? You know, every week, because we're all in corporate America and we work from Monday to Friday and then sat- Friday, Saturday, Saturday nights is what people look forward to. Everybody's just so excited to go out uh, on the weekends and party every single week. And New York is the city where you can do that. You can party every single week and have fun. But it gets to a certain point where that's just not as fun anymore. Not as fun, not as sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's expensive. Expensive. um, You know, it... There, there's other things that you can do. And so I think 2022 was the year of enjoyment. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> year of enjoyment, like, don't want to waste my days. I want to spend them on exactly, enjoyment. <laughs> exactly. So, and enjoyment is this concept that, you know, life is too short. It's kind of like the new YOLO phrase. Yeah. <laughs> like life is short. Why not just have fun and live your life for experiences? Um, and make memories, which is great. But sometimes you got to dial that back and really hone in and be true to yourself. I'm a person, I'm pretty introverted, I'd say. Um, Are you? I, 
Yeah, yeah, I am. Maybe an ambivert. I'll just ask uh, a who? Ambivert. What, what is that? So like, <laughs> mix of intro and intro. You just made up that word. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did. What is that, uh, no, I think the word. <laughs> Shit, that's why I got Google. Now I keep going. I'm Google the word. Okay. Um, so, yeah, for me, I like spending a lot of time by myself reflecting and, and it, it's a word. Ambivert, a person whose personality has a balance of extrovert and introvert. <laughs> wow, you learn something new every day. Come you, on, you now. learn something. Every day. It's a smart guy right here. It's a smart guy. Yeah, so I'm an ambivert. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that too. <laughs> That's gonna be the name of this podcast episode. Ambivert. Ambivert. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So I'm a person that really likes spending a lot of time by myself and thinking, and I enjoy my own company. And, you know, some people can't really relate to that. They like being with others. That's great. But I have those moments where I like spent like hanging out with friends and being social and things like that. But I also like just being in tune with myself, being mentally grounded with my own thoughts and facing facing my thoughts. Um, and I would say that in 2022, it's... I definitely spent less time doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and in my yearly reflection, like looking back at that, that's something that I want to change. Um, I think I really want to, you know, do a better job of, I guess, spending my free time more intentionally mm -hmm. instead of just, unfortunately... Go, instead of just going with the flow, nope. Whoa, that's no, the first no. time someone's whoa. Wow, I don't know if I could co-sign that one. No, guys, go with the flow. Go with the we flow, want you to course. go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Now. Um, <laughs> but you know, there comes a point in time where you have to really figure out, like, okay, who are your real friends? Who do you really want to spend your time with? I, I, you know, for me, it was like sometimes people would travel to New York City text me, hey, Shaq, I'm in New York. Like, let's hang this weekend. And, you know, I'm sure you get that a, a bunch of times. But um, you, sometimes you have to learn how to say no, right? Like, you have to be willing Snaps. to... It, it's hard to just, you know, when they say, hey, I'm in your city. Okay, have fun. Ah, y'all be easy. <laughs> All right, have fun. I'll give you some recommendations. You know? That's kind of messed up. Um, but that's but real. Then again, you gotta care about yourself too. That's reality. Yeah, look sometimes, out for yourself. Yeah, sometimes you have to prioritize yourself and your own mental health. It's not sustainable to every week when a different person is in New York or when a different friend group wants to hang out to always say yes and to always, you know, live this life of enjoyment. Um, no, I, again, agree with everything that you're saying, but one, I will just comment and say that I will, I've been very similar to you, especially the first six months of being in New York of probably most weekends I'm out set Friday and Saturday night in the, like, again, just like out. But I will say that's probably because we just moved to the city. True. I yeah. feel like if you surveyed people one year in versus three years in, there's a much higher percentage first one year and who are going out every night than those who are a few years in. So I think naturally all of us will it's start going back. out less. Yeah. Exactly. And now that back, but even still, I don't think it's an excuse to not uh, about not being intentional about your time. Cause even, I think even though, yes, we are new to the city, we are, we should still be intentional, yeah. intentional about our time. 
And I have enjoyed go, getting out and meeting new people. That Although that happens less when you're out at Shemansky <laughs> than like, I because I like like birthday parties or like mm, dinners, things like that. Those right. are more intimate. Those yeah. are more thoughtful. You can actually connect with have people, conversations. have conversations. Like even just often, like I'm thinking of a few people who I've met at like dinners, a few who like I actually want to get on the podcast, little things like that where it's like, oh, I've met you around in that more intentional way. Whereas like, again, kind of like you're saying, I don't want to be going out just waiting in line in Brooklyn or Manhattan, wherever, waiting mm-hmm. in line, getting in. Have it, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not. You're not spending way too much money on Ubers, on drinks, on everything else. So, yes, 2023 and going forward is about being intentional, intentional. Not only with how you spend your time, but who you spend your time with. Yeah. I think those two things are key. Because, again, because we are new here and there are so many people to meet, I think we're still we're still definitely in the growth phase about meeting yeah. people, 100%. and I think I'll be that way for a little bit. But then I do think of, and I actually have thought about this because right now, again, I want to meet as many people as possible. But eventually, at a certain point, it's like okay, now it's like it needs to be quality over quantity. Right now, it's very much so like yes, meet people. There's some great relationships for them, and but I'm also thoughtful about like like I did this exercise because I had a birthday party. Um, back my birthday's october 5th had a party and i was like making a guest list and i was i did this exercise of like okay this is like it's like a birthday party supposed to be like x y and z so there's i invited a lot of people like 100 plus people so making that list was like okay fine you can invite 100 plus people but then i was like okay i did a dinner beforehand which you were at that i think it was 12 people the exercise of like oh these 12 who are the 12 that i want at the dinner beforehand yeah then I was like, oh, if the party was 30 people, who are the ones I want there? And then just as you keep going and Different going, like layers of layers, things. exactly. And so it's like That's you look at like a circle where it's like in the circle in the center is like your core group of people. Yeah. And then you could keep start building out and out. <coughs> and I would definitely say probably like the first two to three layers of the circle, like are friends, like good friends. Like I'm willing to hang out with you. But then there might be people on like the outside layers who Yes, you're coming to my birthday party of 150 people, but like, are we like friends like that? Mm. If I needed you like that, would you be there? If you needed me like that, would I be there? Yeah, makes sense. It's fair to think about these things. So yeah, I th- when it comes to relationships with people, I'm definitely much more critical. Time, I need to be more critical yeah. about that. And I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. I agree wholeheartedly. Like you have these different, you know, groups, categories of friends, but- one thing is to be forward-looking about your friendships, right? So when you have an event uh, and you're thinking about your your who's going to attend, are you going to invite people that, you know, historically you're friends with? but Or are you going to invite people that in the future you want to be better friends with, right? Is it, you know, are, are you going to be comfortable in an environment where, like, for instance, there are some people in my life where I've known them for less time that I've been stronger and better friends with me and that I want to be stronger friends with in the future than people, other people that I've known for a longer time. I say that about you. Yeah. We've known yeah. each other for a bit, a, literally a year. 12 the months. Day. Yeah. 12 months. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I think one thing is to be forward-looking about the friendships. What sort of friend groups do you want to cultivate 
Yeah, I can't wait to use your private jet one day. Forward, <laughs> forward looking towards that right now. I can't, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like, be forward looking. Like, are these the people that you want to be around, not just you're currently around and, and it's just out of convenience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very good points. Very good. I don't even know how much time we've done. I think we probably like right around an hour, a little bit over. Um, but one of the last things that I wanted to, oh, actually, no, this is a, actually a pretty good transition before mm-hmm. we'll get to your songs. Cause that's the one segment that I have on the show. Oh, did you, Wait. did you not do the show? The songs, the five songs, <laughs> you didn't do the five songs. I, I can, I can come up with five songs. So you, so you didn't do them. I, you said I could wait. <laughs> yes, till we're on this. You were supposed to come up with the list of five beforehand for when we do the segment. Oh, okay. All right. I'll clarify that with future guests. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> but no, another really quick thing that I want to touch on is, because um, you're a good example of this. I have some other friends who are very good example who, like for me, are good examples for this. It's just being motivated by other people's success and ambitions and the power of the people you surround yourself with. I remember freshman year, and I've told the story like on another episode, but like, again, I've done 50 something of these. Go back and listen. I'm going to retell some stories. But I remember freshman year, two of my, three of my really good, two of my really good friends, they were applying to, to this consulting company that I, I never, it was like one of the big ones, but I'd never heard of it. Cause again, who actually knows what consulting is <laughs> before what you get to college? Do? <laughs> Even, yeah, what, what does a consultant do? I can't wait to have one on here. Um, <clears throat> So they were applying. Dom is a consultant. Dom's a yeah. bet. When she's on here, I'll be like, what do you do? <laughs> um, actually, a lot of our friends are. Sam yeah. is, Amir is, yeah. yeah, a lot of, okay. But they were applying to this internship, and I was like, because I don't know the name of the company, like, I'm not going to apply. They both get it, and I was like, then you learn more about what the company is. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, I should reply to that. And then being motivated by the fact that, oh, these are two of my really good friends working at this really good company, mm-hmm. one, I don't want to be the slacker friend who's not doing nah, shit with themselves. Yeah, that's yeah, how you get that. You, yeah. you can't. That's how you that. get kicked out. Can't, can't, group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how you get kicked out of friends. What's the? There's this Jay Z quote from. It's like, around here, you know you're successful by how many people are successful next to you. Some something along those lines. But when I saw them get that and then like get the return offer and then start doing all these things, I was like, oh, like I need to go like do my own thing, like lock something down and never like jealousy it's always like just motivation by like how exactly. people are succeeding yep. and doing their thing so like being around you everything you have going on with black jack caps like oh like Sheck is doing his thing i can't be slacking i need to be <laughs> by my business i'm thinking of other friends right now who are just all very successful at our age as far as as much as we can be and everything that they're doing and being like okay i love that one my circle is like as strong as it is and everyone's succeeding but that just keeps me going. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to be left behind. I'm going to keep up and just keep doing my thing also. And I actually think Dom did a good job of curating that Black Ivy trip. I think she didn't just reach out to random people. No, I think she did, though. She, eh, I think she did. Because she was saying, and or, I'll, we'll I get guess it. she did, but then the type of people that accept. I think that's what it was. It was like trip. fate, the people who ended up going. Because yeah. I think, and I'll talk to her about this when she's on, but I, from what I understand, it was more of a just like general outreach at the mm. start. And some people might have said no or ignored her. And then it was just us 30 who but took then, the chance. Yeah, it takes a certain type of person to be willing to travel on a trip 
what we were saying, you right. people, when they saw the proof of product, they wanted to follow along, but they didn't want to be the first ones in mm -hmm. the door and being like, oh, let me sign up for this and take the chance. Yeah. Like what we're saying about the company, it's yeah. like they want so same idea. First mover. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because I, I noticed that out of that trip, like I am inspired by a lot of people that were on that trip. Like every like a lot of people on that trip just like are doing their thing, whether it be in media, whether it be in finance, whether it be got an Olympian. nonprofit space, Olympians, like just incredible. A shout out to shout out to Aries. Shout out to shout out to yeah. Shout, <laughs> shout out to shout out to everybody. Shout, shout out to all of you. Yeah. Shout out to anyone listening. <laughs> shout out to everybody. Yeah. Um, but you so you didn't do the song. So for anyone listening, the one reoccurring segment on the show is I ask my guests to come up with five songs that describe who they are as a person. I leave it very open-ended, and I typically end the show with this segment. I texted my friend Check here no, to do this I have, like four I have days some songs. Ago. I have some songs. So you have five of them? Yeah. Are they uh, not five? So then but, I can't do the segment. You can't. Uh, you gotta stick by the rules. <laughs> how many? How many do you have? I can think of a couple Drake songs. Okay, let's. That let's, really resonate. Let's hear them. Say the song and say why. Um. So one song comes up. You know, comes to mind. Classic. Drake uh, started from the bottom. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> started from the bottom that we hear. Um, I think it's just a song about continuing to elevate, right? Yep. Uh, I grew up in Harlem, um, you know, in, in the projects like Section 8 housing. It, and in that environment, when I look back, right, a lot of my friends that also grew up in these environments, unfortunately, you know, it... It's sad to say, but it's it's kind of like the sad truth. But a lot of my peers are now like either locked up or you know in gangs and things like that. And so when growing up in that environment, it is easy to kind of quote unquote stay at the bottom and not really elevate your life. But for me, I, I've been in, I've been fortunate to like have great mentors, great peers around me, and have like my uh, have parents that have instilled some sort of work ethic in me to always try to keep elevating our lifestyle you know the premise of my life is stems from my parents that started from the bottom like small village in mali thirty-five thousand people um barely any electricity moved to the big city of the capital bamako um and then eventually came to the state. So they've in, they they live by that principle, like started from the bottom, and that's kind of um, that really resonates with me. You know? I like that. I thought you were gonna say some dumb Drake song, but that ended being, <laughs> that ended up being really good. Okay, another what's another song if no, you have another one? Yeah, <clears throat> uh, another song. Uh, I would say hmm. Can I say albums? Sure, I like sure, yeah. I like that. No one's ever done an album, but again, up yeah. for interpretation. Um, I really like Life of a Don. Okay. Don Tolliver. Okay. This album is like, you know, it's it's Don Tolliver who's kind of like this introverted extrovert as well. What's the new word you taught me? Ambivert. Ambivert. Yeah, he's just like I'm gonna start using that. Like if you know Don Tolliver, he's kinda of like this quiet guy, but lately He's been more extroverted and outgoing. And I think Life of Adon really captures that essence of him 
you know, now as a young and upcoming artist, now making his state like name on the big stage. Yeah. And he explores with different melodies, different styles of rap and and music. And so I, in my mind, I, I see it as, you know, I'm at this point in my life and I'm sort of getting comfortable with this, I guess, new environment that I'm in and and setting a new sort of foundation to, to build off of. Um, so if I could retitle it, retitle it, it'd be life of, nah. But Life of a Don is like a really great album, Don Tolliver. It was my second most listened to album. Second last, most, ooh, last year. Nice. Um, you got any others? If that's good, I like those. I th honestly, I'm not gonna let you. I like that. Those I, were two, I, a, a song and an album. The real, unless you have another one. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Baby Keem. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know that song that goes top of the morning, top of the morning. What is, what is the name of that song? Uh, uh, I believe it's Range Brothers. Okay. And Kendrick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a song where it's like it's the top of the morning. Like go out there and get to it. Yeah, make some of the day. Yep, like yep. Every morning, just for me, you have this period where you're laying in bed mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm comfortable. But sometimes you just gotta kick your sheets and start your day. That is so. We already cool, spend a third of our life sleeping. That's true. Yeah, a third of our life just yep. gone sleeping. Yep. Eight now hours with, a day. Yeah. Yeah. Now with the rest of your the hours that you have, like, what are you going to do with it? You know, go, go ahead and get to it. So top of the morning. Top of the morning. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I'm motivated. That's good. Because that's, that's real, though. The, getting out of bed every morning, that's, that's hard. But it really is just like, you got to, like, just get out. Just, it's, snap, out. just snap out. Let's, let's go. There's so much just to be thankful for. So much to do out there. Yeah. All right, boom. No, I like that. I like that. This, it's great to be back. First episode in person in six months. I, again, I get excited doing these. Sitting in front of this mic, it feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So this is fun to me. Thank you for coming on, Check. Do you have, Thank you for having do you have any, any final words for the people? Um, well, what, do you, what, what little nugget of wisdom are you going to leave them with? Yeah. I Top mean, of the morning, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess nugget of wisdom. Um, you know, life is short. Um, I think as we go on our own journeys and navigate this mysterious thing we call life, I think the main thing is just to remain positive and remain optimistic. Um, when I look at very successful people and very unhappy people, usually one of the biggest differences is their mindset about um, optimism or positivity. Um, like, are you a half glass empty or half glass full? And, you know, the idea is to remain optimistic and hopeful, but then also still be grounded in realism and be realistic. And so that's kind of like what's kept me going, being optimistic that there is a better future out there. There is a better world out there and it's up for grabs. Like we can go out and get it. Very well said. Great place to put a pin on it. And to end the first episode of this Go With The Flow 2.0 regeneration, which I'm very excited about. For everyone listening, I hope you're still listening. Thank you. 
Um, the plan is to do an episode every two weeks. Um, I'll keep doing that until I see what the demand is. If I can get enough guests, I'll keep. I'll do an episode a week. I'm very excited for where where this episode, where this podcast can go. Kind of like what we spoke about earlier on the show. I really think the sky's, the sky's the limit. The limit. Sky's the limit for the podcast. <laughs> sky's the limit for you. Sky's the limit for me. Got some big things ahead. Like I said, like, subscribe, retweet, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Send this to someone. And yeah, I'm trying to build something special and I can't wait for everyone to come on this journey with me. So yeah, this has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you all for listening.